Klauseisen von euch da. And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On today's podcast we're going to reflect on the remarkable career of West Cork wrestling legend Dano O'Mahony. Dano, who will be 70 years dead in November, will be known to most in West Cork for the statue erected in his honour in his home village of Ballydehob. What many won't realise is just how big an impact he had on the world of American professional wrestling in the 1930s. In a few minutes we'll be joined on the line by wrestling journalist Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter to chat about Dano's exploits during the 30s. But first, Kieran, you've been putting your time under lockdown to good use and I know you have some big news that you want to share and tell us about. Um, you're making it sound like I have nothing to do, Jack, but it couldn't be couldn't be more opposite. What we want to launch on this week's Star Sport podcast is Pitch Perfect. It's the search for the best pitch in West Cork. And by West Cork, we're talking GA terms here, and we're taking in the Carberry Division and the Bearer Division. And it just so works out, Jack, the 26 clubs in Carberry and the six clubs in Beira give us 32 clubs, 32 pitches, which is just ideal for a Champions League style format. So I've been, I was up early this morning writing down the names of every club in Carberry and Beira and clipping them out in a piece of paper. And I put them into the, the draw drum, or as I like to call it, the draw bag. People now watching the video will see me shaking a paver shoe bag full of the names of the 32 clubs involved. So what we're going to do is draw out um, eight groups of four. And from those four, from those eight groups, the top two will emerge and we'll go into the last 16. And then it's like um, almost World Cup style in terms of knockout from there. So the top team in Group A will play the second team in Group B. The top team in Group B will play the second team in Group A and so on and so on. So we'll have our last 16 quarterfinals, semifinals, and then we'll have probably in a couple of weeks' time we'll have the grand final where we discover the best pitch, the best playing surface in West Cork as voted for by the people of West Cork. And the beauty of this Jack is that um how we will pick the top two teams from each group and then in the subsequent knockout games is Twitter polls. So fans and Southern Star readers can vote on Twitter when we put up a poll each morning that will run for 23 hours they can vote for their favourite pitch um, we'll be starting it off later this week so fierce excitement like I said it's going to go on for a couple of weeks and it might help pass a few weeks too um, so I think without further ado Jack will we just get this draw underway have you any questions to ask first? Yeah I do have a question because obviously years of following soccer and Irish soccer in particular I will have sat through tons and tons of qualifier draws championship draws etc and usually around this time just before the actual draw proper kicks in Gianni Infantino or before him Sepp Blatter or Michel Platini will come out and deliver some 20 minute soliloquy about how great UEFA is so I'm just expecting Tom Lyons perhaps to 
to walk in and maybe give us some kind of a speech about the importance of pitches in West Cork when all the listeners and viewers really want is to find out which group they've been drawn in. So is Tom here or will we just get on with it? See, the kind of beauty of the Star Sport podcast is we cut straight to the chase, you know, kind of, um, we always have a finger on the pulse. I mean, our listeners and those watching want us to get straight into the draw. And like I said, this bag here, it's, it's the bag of dreams. Like, we could have the West Cork group of this in this bag right now. So, And just one, one more first... question, one more question before you start. I just want clarity. Is there an independent observer from KPMG sitting in your living room with you right now just to ensure everything goes off fairly or are we just going to have to trust you? Just going to have to trust me because we're adhering to all social distancing um, guidelines and, and so on. So the people of West Cork and the Southern Star just have to place their place their trust to me. But I don't think that's an issue, Jack. You know, kind of the most trustworthy men you'll ever come across. Okay, then give us a, give us the first two teams out from Group A, Kieran. So the first four teams will all go into Group A and the first team we have, Randalogue, Ooh. Second team. Castlehaven. Ooh. Will I do that noise for every team, do you think? Is that a good idea? That's 32 noises. <laughs> the third team is St. James's. So that's Arfield. I'm in Group A. And the fourth team is Dermot O'Mahunas. Ooh, sorry, I didn't give a, an ooh for St. James's. Didn't mean anything by it, but you know, just to keep keep the flow going because we don't want uh, too much dead air here. You seem to be struggling to get the names out of that pavers bag. I'm just I'm, I'm just trying to be thorough with this. On the Group B, and the first team in Group B is St. Columns. The second... I'll uh, am I meant to be now. writing down the these as, as we go? I'll get it after when you listen to the play <laughs> the second team in Group B is O'Donovan Rasa that's Skibbereen in there the pitch is Skibbereen which is an undergone work or underwent work Carberry Rangers are in Group B and also let's see now what I have here I know the excitement is gripping if Kilmean and Kilbree so that is Group B done anyway readers can just check towards a Southern Star for all the groups of A which could be a quicker way of finding out which is who's in what teams but we're just trying to be fair here so the first team in group C St Mary's oh, I never thought this true Jack did I Gabriel Rangers are in group C um, Ballinascarte are in group C oh it's a tough group uh, this is this is a tough one already and the final team in group C is Kilmacabee so that's a that's a tough group. That had actually be a good group in junior A football, actually, come to think of it. If anyone um, was wondering how we were going to fill air during this COVID-19 outbreak, here is your answer. We've got all bases covered on the Star Sport podcast. So, on the Group D, first team is Clownagale. Second team, which I just plucked out there as well, is Bandon. You don't need anyone from KPMG here. Oh, Glen Gareth from Bera are in Group D as well they're the third team and the last team in Group D which is the one side of the draw is Clannacilte Ahamilla mm-hmm. which has hosted Cork under 20 championship game and is a top class pitch so so for those of you still with us we're now halfway through the draw for the best pitch in West Cork GAA so keep with us we'll, we'll be here probably until sunset but we'll get there keep going Kieran. we'll get there 
<laughs> Group E, Aberdeen Rangers, the first team out. Second team is Adrigol from out west. Good to see Adrigol there flying the bear flag. We also have Bear Island. Oh, oh a big uh, derby. Big derby there, Bear Island, which is um, obviously an island, a pitch on an island, and it's the only pitch in this draw that is on an island and not on the mainland, so that's interesting. And the fourth pitch in Group E is Kill Britain. Three groups to go, and the excitement here in this room is at fever pitch, I have to say. Boom, boom. Um, <laughs> My nails are totally group, gone. Group F, Goline. Oh, I like Goline, I'd say. Yeah. Great setting. I'm just hoping oh, I have all the clubs in here and I get there. So Donnie's are the second team in Group A. Ha- Donnie's has to be a strong contender just based on the amount of big games. Island they Rovers. Get. Island Rovers are there. And Bantry Blues who have gone through some super work on their pitch. So that that's a tough group, Group F. I'll watch that one with interest. <laughs> I know what's after F F G H no H H is the last group G G sorry sorry Castletown Bear are the first team in that group we'll be like St. Oliver Plunkett's St. Oliver Plunkett's are the next team Wintovara are there and that's another club who've undergone substantial work on their pitch in recent times and the final team in that group is Newcestown Newcestown and now onto the final group, which is the eighth group. So I, I just hope there's four pieces of paper left in in my draw bag. Ty McCorry, who should be able to shout, you would think. I think so. I, I train on that pitch myself here in an excellent facility. Barry Rowe. You can see Barry Rowe there. Put that up there yeah, to the no camera. No one can read your writing. And also with the slow internet connections, we both have in our respective homes it's very pixelated, so difficult to see. Orhan, Orhan oh, oh. are the third team. And the final team, yes, there's one left. Last but not least, Garnish. So another bear derby there. So I didn't keep track of into which group, but I will listen to the playback and I will put it up online um, either later today or on Wednesday. And full details will be on the star this Thursday and I think we'll kick it off then from Friday morning with the first Group A. So a poll will go up on my own Twitter page, which is at Mac underscore SS. The poll will run for 24 hours. Vote for the the pitch that you want, that you think is best in that group. We'll pick the top two then at the end of the day and they go forward to the knockout stage. We'll repeat that with the eight groups and then... Maybe this time next week we can go through the knockout stages. We'll be closer to that. So we'll, we'll give an update in next week's Star Sport podcast. But I don't know about you, Jack, but that, that was quite exciting. I, I need a break after all that. Yeah, well, there you have it, folks. The first ever West Cork pitch perfect draw. You thought things couldn't get any more boring than the draw for the Euro or World Cup qualifiers. But I think I think we've we've run it pretty close. But anyway, we'll take a quick break just to get over all that excitement. And coming up next, we're talking to Dave Meltzer about the remarkable career of Dan O'Mahony. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to all things sport in West Cork. 
Don't forget to pick up this Thursday Southern Star newspaper, including our award-winning sports section with everything a West Cork sports fan could want. In shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world via www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper. The Southern Star and the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. In August of this year, it will have been 70 years since the world lost professional wrestling legend Dan O'Mahony. In West Cork, Dano is known primarily due to the statue erected in his honour in Ballydehob, but before the statue came the career. We're delighted to be joined on the line by wrestling journalist Dave Melzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter to chat about Dano's exploits during the 30s and 40s. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. And to kick off, I wonder, could you maybe give our listeners a sense of who Dano Mahoney was and what kind of impact he had on the world of American professional wrestling in the 1930s? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because he was like this um, kind of like, you know, this like meteor in the sense of he came and it was a lot in Boston, but in the Northeast, he came in, he was he was promoted very heavily um, as like the strongest man in the world. And he didn't really have a wrestling background, but he was big and had a good look and caught on immediately and became a huge star. You know, I mean, Boston was interesting because the promoter there, uh, Paul Bowser uh, was evidently like you know the best promoter of that era because Boston was hopping and he got Boston hopping with Gus Sonnenberg, a football player, in the late twenties, and then you know Gus Sonnenberg's career kind of went down, and then he brought in Dan O'Mahony and had him beat you know Strangler Lewis and Jim Londos and people like that, and he was the top guy in wrestling, but it was like a two-year thing, and. Dano got double-crossed in a match, and really, like, his star fell very quickly after that. But for the two-year period, um, I think 35, 36, maybe 34, you know, I mean, he was an incredible drawing card like they'd never seen. You know, his, his, his big championship matches would be moved to baseball stadiums because the uh, Boston Garden wasn't, you know, you know I mean, they, he'd sell the Boston Garden too easily. And they drew, um, he drew some of the biggest crowds in you know, actually the biggest crowds in the history of American wrestling up to that point in time. You mentioned one of his opponents from the time, that was Greek-American wrestler Jim Landis. And would I be right in saying when they actually met for a match, they had it at Fenway Park, which of course will be known to most of our listeners as the home of the Boston Red Sox baseball stadium. Right, right. And and that was a, you know, that was a huge match. A couple of them, you know, at, at Fenway. And um, I think he may have had one at Boston Braves Stadium, which was the other, you know, the other major league team at the time. Uh, baseball team, and um, you know a lot of sellouts at at uh, Boston Garden for lesser matches, but um, yeah, I mean, during, you know, it was it was interesting because he was very limited as a wrestler himself, but he was a, a great great drawing card. Um, you know, I mean, not just Boston. You know, I mean, it was it was the East Coast and everything, but it was not like a, it wasn't like he was worldwide or anything. But his Boston numbers were were off the charts. You know, I mean. Uh, um, you know, Irish star in Boston has always been uh, something that they've tried to push, you know, um, and he was, the, you know, the biggest that they ever had. Well, you mentioned his limitations as a wrestler. So what then was impressive about Dano? Obviously, you mentioned his Irish heritage, or he, he was from Ireland, so that was obviously a big drawn card in Boston. But what else stood out? His size, his strength? Was he was he a charismatic type of a character? You know, I mean, I can't really say because I never saw him wrestle. It was so long ago. Um, but what what I know is that is that he was 
they promoted him extremely well. They basically promoted him as the strongest man in the world, and these guys would wrestle him, and after the match, they would go, oh, he's the strongest guy we've ever been in with, and I don't know if anyone can beat him. So they would basically, you know, like Londos, you know, who was uh, the biggest drawing card at the time and the biggest star in wrestling at the time, and Londos, you know, after wrestling him, you know, put him over with just like, oh, you know, I don't know that anyone could beat him. So in the area, you know, in, you know, it's like, oh, my God, like he didn't do a lot. But when he didn't sell much, you know, what I mean, it was just like he did strongman stuff. I think he was a was he a champion like shot putter and discus thrower, I think. I mean, I know he was he was you know, a, he was he a champion a, thrower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a legitimate, um, you know, he legitimately was strong and they pushed that as his you know, the thing, so it's like, if you tell people the guy's strong and he does strongman stuff, you know, people will be impressed, and, and the deal was he was so strong that these guys using their regular wrestling techniques could not out, you know, were, were getting outpowered. So that was kind of like, so you can, you know, and, and it's happened in wrestling since, you know, I mean, through the years, I mean, like, you know, all, all, all the way through from Hulk Hogan to Ultimate Warrior, even like, you know, in, in, in recent times, or Braun Strowman, where you will have big, strong guys and um, they're very limited as wrestlers, but they but if, if the wrestlers sell the strongman stuff, people will be more impressed because they see the size. And I mean, Dano, you know, I mean, they didn't have steroids in those days, and they didn't have bodies like that. But for his day, you know, he was tall and he was he had the good body, and and then he had he was a good looking guy. I mean, that was like the key is that he had the great look, and obviously, I mean, I guess, I guess he to draw like that. I think that. Again, not having seen him, but but to draw like that, he would have had to have had a certain type of charisma, because there are plenty of strong guys that were put over in the same way as those guys. But the ones who made it and drew, you know, were the ones. I mean, it's not not like everybody that's strong, you know, that was like a, a weightlifter at a high level, that came into pro wrestling where everyone sold for him at the beginning. You know, they weren't all Bruno San Martino. You know what I mean? But but I mean, I guess in a sense. For a short period of time, that's what he was, was Bruno San Martino, who was, you know, like the, you know, just the, the you know, which was an Italian strong boy, you know, was his first gimmick. And, but Bruno had, you know, obviously the, the great, great longevity. And, and Dano, what happened with Dano is, is that one of the wrestlers, um, Dick Sheikat, uh, double-crossed him in a match, and it just, you know, that was, that pretty much, it actually was, um, What's the word I'm looking for? It actually really hurt pro wrestling badly because number one, you know, Dano was 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 hurt by losing, and then it came out, you know, that he was that Sheikat was supposed to lose and he double crossed. So it was kind of like newspaper stories came out about you know the world championship being fake and things like that. So in the late 30s, in a lot of parts of the country, wrestling, I mean. It really hurt wrestling badly in a, in a lot of parts of the country when when Dano lost. But just know, Dave, um, on, on that point, then, like, would it be fair to say that during Dan's run as a professional wrestler in the United States, most of the fans watching were probably not aware that the results were predetermined? I don't know that that's the case. Uh, as far as I think, I think okay, I would say that the fans who attended probably weren't. But the idea that wrestling wasn't real. Um, you know, I mean, people knew, you know, in the 1800s, you know, let alone the 1900s. Um, I don't know how, like, widespread the knowledge was. Um, you know, I mean, as far as, like, Lou, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the newspapers certainly hinted at it, but they also covered it very heavily. Um, so, 
I, I, you know, I don't know. I couldn't say like the population at large, but it was enough of, I think it was more people weren't sure and they kind of got captivated by it as much as like being sure it was real. I think that they weren't, you know, because, because you couldn't really go without hearing that wrestling wasn't real. So you would have the skepticism, but I mean, still, you know, you had that during Bruno San Martino's era where everybody knew and they still believed in Bruno, you know what I mean? And, and, um, you know, now it's not so much the same in that regard. Um, but still, I mean, even like Steve Austin, um, the people believed in Steve Austin, you know, even though, and, 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 and Steve Austin's here, everybody knew, you know, even at the, even Bruno in the seventies, everyone deep down knew, but, but they connected with him. And I think that, you know, it, yes, I would think that more people thought it was real and, and the people who probably went to Fenway park and supported him probably thought that he was the toughest man on earth. And then, when, because the reality is, is if, if that wasn't the case when he lost, if they thought, well, you know, when he lost, his drawing power wouldn't have gone down, and it did. You know, I mean, he went from being the biggest draw in wrestling to, you know, you know, it was weird how, how you know, it was the same way in boxing, too. You would get guys, if you remember old boxing, you know, when guys would be on the way up, they were world beaters and they could draw. And then, you know, now it's not the same, but back, there was a period where, you know, you're, you're a prospect on the way up and you lose. It's kind of like, oh, you're done. You lost. And and I think that that in yeah, and I think that that in in wrestling with Dano, it was like oh, he lost, he submitted. You know what I mean? It's like uh, he was you know he wasn't really that good. And so so it's you know obviously the losses meant oh you know it meant something. So in that sense, to the people watching it, the wins and losses were were you know exceedingly important. Yeah, well, Dave, you mentioned names that. Some of our listeners will probably be familiar with names like Hulk Hogan, The Ultimate Warrior, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just, um, would you be able to kind of give us a, a comparison? Like, you mentioned Dano's run at the top of the business only lasted around two years, so I suppose you couldn't compare his time in the business with the likes of a Hulk Hogan. But in terms of star power, was he on their level or was he kind of a, a couple of levels below? Okay, so in the Northeast, he would probably be... Um that level may be higher because you're, when you're talking about drawing 35 and 45,000 people to, 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 uh, to baseball stadiums, when the population was so much lower and the, and the transportation was so much more difficult, um, that's, that's to me, you know, and, and, and it wasn't like people came from all over like for, for like Hulk Hogan's big matches. So I would say from a regional standpoint, um, historically, uh, he would be bigger, and 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 even Bruno San Martino, who who was the biggest draw probably on a local basis in Boston history. Um, afterwards, um, you know, Bruno didn't do those ballpark numbers that that Dano did. Now, Bruno, of course, had far more longevity as well. So, I would say at the peak of Dano O'Mahony, uh, um, on a regional basis, bigger bigger than those guys, but on a national basis, no, not as big. Okay, Dave, I just want to kind of touch quickly on the Irish American element uh, within this story in the last 10 or 20 years irish wrestlers have made a huge impact on the wrestling business the names like seamus finn balor fit finley and most recently becky lynch have become major stars in the wwe was dano a trailblazer in that regard or were there irish american wrestlers who came before him and, um, and, and why have irish wrestlers found such major success in the states that's an interesting que- question i mean as far as like i mean as, as i can remember he was the first Irish. I mean, he was definitely the first Irish wrestler who was a star at that level. But you know, that era of wrestling, like the history, kind of went away. But the promoters, I will say that the promoters all knew about 
Dano O'Mahony for the next, you know, 40 years, you know, or whatever. So as far as um, the idea of, of bringing Irish stars to, to New York and Boston, yeah. By the time it gets to the Becky Lynch era, it's a different, it's a different thing. But, but Vince, you know, Vince knows because from his father. You know, his father was still from the generation that was aware of Dano O'Mahony and, and, you know, Hulk Hogan. The original idea of Hulk Hogan, which did not happen, was that Hulk Hogan was going to be his Irish superstar. You know, but they did, decided to make him a beach bum and everything like that because of the idea that it would probably have more. And that was not Vince Jr. or you know the current Vince's idea; it was his father's idea. You know, his father was. You know, we had. You know, let's let's make a, an Irish superstar. We'll call him Hulk Hogan because you know he wasn't Irish, but that was the that's the reason for the Hogan name. So, the father. Absolutely, you know, it was one of those things, the knowledge of, of Dano drawing and, and others afterwards, but Dano more than any of them, was in his mind. When it came to Vince Jr., not so much. But with Vince Jr., the idea now is is to get um, wrestlers, you know, from all over the world, I guess would be the way to put it, um, you, know, um, you know, from all different ethnic groups. And the fact that there are several Irish is more due to the talent of those people. I think Seamus, to a degree, I think that the idea of kind of like, because he's, he's so Irish, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't think with Fit Finley it was so much, because they never really pushed Fit Finley at that level. Um, and Becky, I think, was not because she was Irish, but because she connected. Um, I don't think that there was like, oh, we need an Irish woman star. I don't think that was that at all, because Becky came, Becky snuck up on them. You know, she became a star before, you know, the fans made her a star where Seamus was someone that the promotion wanted. And Finn, when, with, with Finn Balor, I mean, it, it just happened that there was this guy in Japan, you know, Fergal Devitt, who was an awesome, awesome worker, and he could have been from anywhere in the world, and it would have been the same. So each, each one of those three is, is, or four, if you include Finley, it's, a, it's, it's all different reasons. You know, Fit Finley, I think that the Irish tough guy, street fighter thing, you know, was, was part of the thing, but he was never pushed as a big star. Um, you know, he was a veteran guy who was there more to teach when he was there. Um, but but Seamus was definitely, you know, I think because he was tall and because he had the good body and because he was so Irish. The ginger so, hair and the pale skin. Yeah, yeah. So I think that with him, it was very much, oh, we're going to have an, an Irish superstar, which is good for, you know, the United States, and it's good for Ireland, and it's good for England and everything like that. So I think that in his case, it's, it's, it's kind of like... Um, you know, the biggest of all is Connor. You know, he's not a, um, um, obviously not a pro wrestler, but I would say the, in the United States, he's got to be the biggest Irish sports star. And I don't think that being from Ireland is so much of his appeal as much as he just freaking has so much charisma and he can talk. And, you know, I, it's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think, you know, I mean, it wasn't like somebody like, like Dana White was just like, oh, Irish superstar. It was more like just superstar. And Becky's the same way. Becky, Becky, the fact that she's Irish is just coincidental. Um, she just got old. You know, she was like one of the women and, and just thought to be a member of the cast. And she just got over bigger because, you know, you had Ronda Rousey there and because Becky Lynch was such a great promo. And I think that because her promo style was so much like Connor, people were like receptive to it. But that's a minor point. But Becky just got over on her own. And, and um, yeah, she's like the most... I mean, Becky would be the most popular. Uh, I think Becky would be the most popular woman 
star um, ever, realistically. Because you could say Mildred Burke, you know, years and years and years ago, that's like in the 30s and 40s in the United States, and she was really big. But um, you know, it was it's a different era. It's a different era now. I would I would say the you know not necessarily the best, but the most popular woman wrestling star ever in the United States. Um, the most important, I think, is, is is Ronda, but the most popular, I think, is Becky. Good stuff, Dave. Just to to go back then to to, to Dano's era for a second. What 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 was like to your to your knowledge? What was like life like for a wrestler back then in terms of the amount of travel they did, the amount of money they earned? How famous were they in just day-to-day life could they walk down the street could Dano Matney walk down the street in Boston without being recognized no 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 he would have been a gigantic celebrity you know like um yeah you know because you didn't have like like the wrestlers then because they were individual stars as far as from that from that era they would be like like a wrestler now like I mean they're big stars for sure but they're not as big as like an NBA player, you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even the biggest ones. Um, whereas with Dano, when he was around, as far as in in Boston, no, they they didn't have an NBA team. Um, you know who was the the big sports stars? Um, you know the baseball players probably would have been big, and and he would have been because he was an individual during those two years. He would have been bigger than the baseball players individually, I think, um, um, or or at the level of the biggest baseball players, if not. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he he would have been um, because like Strangler Lewis was was a, a, a you know um, and Londos those guys were real um, they were they were pretty big celebrities. I mean, Londos was probably bigger than Hogan, um, and Hogan was real big, you know, and um, you know so and and you know as far as I mean, could I? It, it's it's I'm, you know I wasn't there, so it's hard to say. But my perception would be that he would be, you know, kind of at that Hogan and Rock level, as far as like a real superstar, not not just a, a you know, a, a missile, you know, like a secondary sports star. No, he was bigger than that, and certainly in in Boston, yes. Good stuff, Dave. Now I know you're being very good with your time, and we're very thankful for that. But I just like to to ask you one or two more questions before we wrap up, and the first one revolves around the Irish whip which is a move known to all wrestling fans and will likely have a familiar ring to non-wrestling fans as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and its significance in Dano's story? Yeah, because like yeah, yeah, so that was like his big move was the was the Irish whip which later became you know um whipper Billy Watson who was a Canadian, used it, so they kept it real strong. And it was, you know, you just said, whip the guy, and the guy would take this big bump for you because the idea of you're showing your power. And, um, you know, later it became whipping people into the ropes, and they would bounce off and things like that. But the original Irish whip was just you whipped them, and they flew. And it was a very impressive move at a time when wrestling was more, looked like wrestling, like in a real wrestling match, um, you know, real um, you know, freestyle wrestling match. You, you couldn't grab a guy by the arm and whip him. It, it doesn't work. But that was one of the the, the the moves. That was like the really the key move. That when I said like they the guys would sell his power. That was it because nobody ever did that. And it's like oh my god, like the strength it would take. And like people would try it out on each other. And it's like they couldn't do it. You know, they you try to throw your friend like that. It doesn't work. So what kind of power must this guy must be Superman? So yeah, yeah, that was um. That was a big part of his um, his calling card. That was his calling card. 
and and that that move, which obviously it's it's it doesn't look as spectacular in today's business, but it's still referred to as the Irish Whip. So in many ways, is that Dano's legacy in the business? Long term, I would say that his his two legacies would be yeah the Irish Whip for sure, and the idea of. I wonder if he was the first true ethnic super draw. And I think that, you know, that, and, and, and if you say that, that's where your Rocca and Bruno San Martino and people like that came from as far as in the, in the United States. Because if I look at the big draws, Frank Gotch was an Iowa farm boy. That's not an ethnic draw. Um, Strangle Lewis and Stecker were great, great wrestlers. Londo's, Londo's Greek, you know, so I mean, you, you, you had that too. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, that he and Londos would be the first, what you would call, ethnic draws. And that is what paved the way for, you know, Bruno San Martino and, and, and the, you know, the later ethnic draws, all of them, you know, from, from the next, you know, um, you know, Mil Mascaris, you know, um, everyone from, you know, the, the Mexican stars and all that. So, yes, I would say that would be his two big legacies. Okay, Dave, and final question then. You founded the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame in 1996 to recognize people who make significant contributions to the profession. I know former opponents of Dano, the likes of Jim Landos and Yvonne Robert, are inductees. In your eyes, did Dano have a Hall of Fame early career or was his run in the business too short? It was too short. You know, to me, that's the problem. Is, is, is did, were, were those Hall of Fame years? Absolutely. But it was it was two years, you know. It's like that's where, and I think where Bill Goldberg and Ultimate Warrior and 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 you know, I kind of always, to be honest, I always compare Dano to Ultimate Warrior when when I'm looking for a comparison. Even though Dano was bigger um, on a regional level than Ultimate Warrior ever was, but it's the same type of a thing where a guy came in and he was on fire and he was really big, but then um, it phased out and with with Ultimate Warrior it was more himself doing it. Um, but with Dano, it was the circumstances of the time. I mean, because Dano, if he wasn't double-crossed, if that, if 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 Dano wasn't double-crossed by Shikad, um, you know, he probably would have drawn, you know, until he got old. Because you got to remember, he came in at, at what twenty-one, right? So the, you know, his he was world champion at twenty-two. So at the time, he was the youngest world champion ever, and and to this day. You know, Luthes is the youngest world champion ever, and Dano is the second youngest. So you're talking about a young guy. He could have had, he could have had, if if they would have been able to protect him, um, 15 years, certainly 10 um, years at that level. In which case, you know, he could have been. I mean, that's that's the funny thing. That one match, if you take that match out, um, Dano would be, you know, not just a Hall of Famer, but he would probably be looked back on as like this, you know, like a like a Bruno San Martino. You know, as opposed to a guy who, you know, the historians know who he is, but but the name didn't really last in the United States because of the, the gap in time and things like that. Um, but yeah, he. Um, that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting thought about that that one match. I've never thought of that match in, in that level before because it was just something that happened. And can you can you, you maybe know, just go like into that. a little more detail on that match? Then you've referenced it a few times. The double cross that maybe cost Dano his longevity. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was he was in there, and um, for whatever reason, I don't know, it was a promotional thing or whatever. Um, I'd have to. Rem- I don't remember exactly, but but he got talked in. I think it was in Madison Square Garden, and they were going to have a worked match, and 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 he was. Um, you know, Shecat was a legitimate tough guy, and he got him in a submission. And you know, if you're in a submission, you know you're going to have to tap. And he tapped, and and 
you know, was, was hurt and everyone was stunned because Dano had been unbeaten up to that point, And it was kind of like, that was it for him. Um, if that doesn't happen and the promoters keep putting him over, and even if maybe he lost, it was lost in a more protected way than saying I quit. Um, you know, cause I quit was just like, you know, in those days, like now it's like people that, that watch MMA, you know, you can tap and it's fine. You know, we come back another day back then, like the big wrestlers, they didn't tap. They might get pinned. They would. They might have a little story. They might build a rematch. Like this was a match that didn't build a rematch. It was just, it's done. And um, yeah, if you didn't have that, I mean, you know, I would say, you know, because look, Dano, you know, yeah, he'd have had. I think, you know, geez, he would have had twelve more. You know, so he'd be to forty-eight. So he'd probably be a star through the war, and and maybe. You know, if he connected on television, maybe a couple more years than that. And, you know, there's no way of knowing. But, but yes, I mean, without a doubt, if that doesn't happen, Daniel O'Mahony would be remembered as one of the, the biggest stars in pro wrestling history. No doubt about it. Well, Dave, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I wish the best of health to both you and your family during this difficult time. You can read and listen to Dave's work in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and Wrestling Observer Radio, and you can follow him on Twitter at Dave Meltzer, W-O-N. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Great chat. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to all things sport in West Cork. Don't forget to pick up this Thursday's Southern Star newspaper, including our award-winning sports section with everything a West Cork sports fan could want. In shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world via www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper. The Southern Star and the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast and as always at this time of the week we're going to take a look at what's to come in the Star Sports section this Thursday and with the continuing COVID-19 crisis there is obviously no live sport to preview but that hasn't stopped us the sports section in the Southern Star this week is 16 packed pages and Kieran there's some really good stuff in there as well isn't there? Yeah, there is, Jack. Again, it's um, action-packed, even though we are still without live sport and we probably will be for some considerable time to come. But um, the sports section is still quite strong this week. And I'm, I'm not just saying it, but it's one of the, the strongest sports sections of the year, if I'm being quite honest. There's some great content in there for Southern Star readers this Thursday. Um, we've interviews with Cork footballer Rory Dean, who's battling back from a hamstring operation that he underwent a couple of weeks ago in London. Um, so he chats about the injury he suffered and and rehabbing and, and the comeback trail at this stage with the I suppose the effects of COVID nineteen. Um Joe McCarthy caught up with Neve Cotter from Lingariff, the Cork footballer, who's also battling back from a back injury that was a lot more serious than ones initially um, thought. So there are two good interviews there. Dennis Hurley is caught up with Ireland under twenty rugby star um, Jack Crowley from Inna Shannon. Jack Crowley obviously took the under twenty six nations by storm um, as Ireland won three games on the hop to top the 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 table before the the play was halted. So good interview there. I've caught up with Fintan McCarthy to give more to get his thoughts on the Olympic Games postponement until twenty twenty one. And what's interesting is that Fintan and uh, and the Irish lightweight rowing and group were actually in Seville on a two-week training camp, and they flew out to Seville just the day before Spain went on lockdown. So, um, Fintan gives me his 
Philzvina, what it was like to be in Spain just before um, just before the lockdown came into into effect. Um, Orla Cronin is back by popular demand again this this week, Jack. Um, Orla kind of she did our healthy banana bread recipe in last week's Southern Star, and it was proved very very popular indeed. So she's come back this week with something a bit more savoury. It's a chicken and chickpea curry, and it looks out of this world. Like you could actually eat the picture; it, it looks that good. So um, I think for um, for all sport fans and non-sport fans, check out Orla's uh, chicken and chickpea curry recipe in this week's Southern Star. And hopefully for the next couple of weeks, Orla might keep supplying us with recipes. And it's it's good just to keep the people of of West Cork keeping them busy. And they're all healthy recipes too, which is great. And this recipe in this this uh, Thursday, you can make uh, food for four or five days out of it. So well worth uh, well worth checking that out. Also, I've, Jack, I've caught up with Mike Doolan. He's um, the former Drina Rangers kind of stalwart, and um, just for a quick catch up. And when I touched base with Mike, it was to chat about the time when the Westcock Masters took on the Republic of Ireland Masters in Dunmanway back in 2014. Just for even though it's only six years ago, just for kind of a little trip down memory lane and. As it turns out, Ronnie Whelan still owes Mike Doolan twenty euro from a bet that they put on the night before the game. So if Ronnie Whelan listens to this podcast or reads Torres's Southern Star, Mike Doolan still hasn't forgotten that Ronnie Whelan owes him twenty euro. Plus, Jack, Ronnie Whelan took Mike's towel at half time in that game because Ronnie never brought a towel himself. So not only did Ronnie Whelan take Mike Doolan's towel, but he also owes him 20 euros. So kind of, that's that's a, that's a huge story. Like I expect that to kind of lead all sports bulletins for the rest of the week. But um, there, there's lots in there, plenty of great reading. Um, Dan O'Mahony, the, uh, Jack has a great story about Dan O'Mahony. Obviously we listened to the, the great chat there a couple of minutes ago. That's a full page in this Thursday Southern Star. So there's plenty there for everyone from GA to soccer to bowling to rugby to athletics, um, rowing, motorsport. It's all in there. So well worth picking up Thursday Southern Star either in the shop or online. Yeah, and we didn't really get a chance to talk about Dan O'Matney ourselves there because we went straight into the chat with Dave Meltzer. But just given the week that's in it, WrestleMania for any of you wrestling fans out there is on this weekend so it was a timely reminder to, to, to go down memory lane with Dave Meltzer and also take a look at the life and times of Dano because from a man from Bally the Hob he had one of the most remarkable lives you could ever imagine so yeah pick up Thursday's Southern Star to learn more even more about Dano if you enjoyed that chat with Dave how big would he be now, Jack? You think of Dano, like back then, he was like the big draw, kind of, he was the main man in, in the world of wrestling. If you kind of transfer Dano from then to now, like you said, are we talking about the rock, Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan? Is that the kind of calibre of a of profile that Dano would have? Yeah, well, Dave mentioned it there, and it kind of really blew my mind, because when you think about how famous Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and The Rock were in their day, like, even if you didn't have even a passing interest in wrestling you knew who they were because they were all over every talk show they were in making cameos in movies they were on television shows they had music videos etc so they were real A-list celebrities for a time and Dano was on their level if not bigger in terms of the amount of people who used to come to his matches because what people don't really realise back in the 30s and 40s tickets for the matches were sold based off the poster not the television shows so you needed 
a big name on your poster to draw a big audience. So Dano would always be top of the bill on all the posters for all his matches. Whereas now, you know, they have television programs, they have YouTube channels, so they have a chance to build a character and sell tickets that way. But back in the 30s, when all they had was the poster hanging up around bus stations in various cities across the United States. So Dano's face on posters alone was enough to draw in 45, 50,000 into baseball stadiums. And this is in a time before easy, easy travel. There was no intercity flights in the United States so all these people were coming from the same region so yeah he was a genuine superstar and the fact that he's from only down the road in Ballydehob is is, is mind blowing but anyway that's in this Thursday Southern Star and as Kieran mentioned if you can't make it to the shops <coughs> excuse me on Thursday or Friday Saturday Sunday the star doesn't leave shops after Thursday as everyone will know if you can't make it to the shop you can pick up a copy online as well just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and if you don't like reading the newspaper on your computer, tablet or smartphone and you can't make it to the shop, you can also purchase a postal subscription where we'll deliver the Southern Star to your front door every Thursday for as long as this crisis continues and maybe even longer if you want to continue having the Star delivered to your door to avail of that subscription just call the southern star front office 028-212-00 and one of the girls there will sort out your postal subscription but kieran i think on that note we'll leave it for this week so thanks to everyone for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on itunes spotify youtube acast stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show Good stuff.